Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Boy, what a delight and pleasure it is for me to have a new friend who I've known about and read and listened to for quite a while now, but a new friend to meet personally, Keith Giles. Keith is a former pastor, left the pulpit over a decade ago to follow Jesus. He's the author of several books, including his newest release, Jesus Undefeated, Condemning the False Doctrine of Eternal Torment. The release date on that is November 9th. I've got mine ordered, and I would encourage you all to get one, too. He's the co-founder of the Pacifist Fight Club, co-host of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I mean, you just got to love a guy with titles like that already. He and his family started a house church in Orange County, California, where 100% of the offering goes to help the poor in their community. They recently moved back to El Paso, Texas, where he met his wife, Wendy. They graduated from University of Texas, El Paso. He had a bachelor's degree in creative writing and a minor in philosophy. His films include Joe and Keith Giles, the documentary, and Janitor, First Blood, which I have seen, but those sound interesting. <laughs> He's got a career as an advertising copywriter. He's won numerous awards for his work, and it's just a pleasure to have him here. So hello and welcome to Keith Giles. Paul, thank you so much. Wow, what an introduction. I didn't know you were going to mention my movies because <laughs> I'm not going to quit my day job. But yeah, I had a good friend who is a student filmmaker, and he's made several films and he even did a documentary, but it's all short films. It was just mostly a lot of fun, but somehow I ended up with the IMDb page out of it. So it's kind of cool. I found that. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of insane, but most people don't. I don't usually mention that to anybody, but thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've had a varied career, but obviously you're zeroed in on some things right now. And Keith, as I always like to do on this podcast, especially, is to ask people to begin with, how does the understanding that you now have of God's unconditional love and grace for everyone, how has that impacted your relationship, your wife, your kids, your extended family, people in shops and stores where you go, just uh, people in business? How's it affected you where the rubber hits the road? Oh, it's a great question. And you know what? The truth is it does make a difference. That's the beautiful thing about it is that when I made this shift to recognizing that, you know, God was in Christ, not counting our sins against us, mm. but reconciling the world to himself. When you start recognizing that God really does love the world, the whole world. Yeah, it's like suddenly the whole us versus them thing just starts to fade away. Like mm. you don't put people in the categories of Christians and non-Christians or saved and not saved. They're all in one category, which is loved and treasured, you know. Mm. And so it's really fascinating just the other day thinking on this topic and was realizing that if you ask the question, who deserves love and who deserves forgiveness, God's answer is everyone. And not only that, who gets forgiven and who receives love? Everyone. God answers that question emphatically 
everyone. Mm. Everyone's loved. Everyone's forgiven. Mm. Everyone's treasured. Everyone's accepted. And the more you start to believe that and walk in that, you can't help but just see everyone through a, a brand new lens. Mm. And it totally removes that whole us versus them thing. And I think it empowers you, or it helps me anyway, to really love people and to forgive them a little quicker, to recognize that we're kind of all in the same boat together. So yeah, that's that's one of the major ways I think it's helped me. I really appreciate your use of the term, everybody deserves love, because I fell into that old trap of saying, well, I, you know, I know I don't deserve it. And gosh, it's just not true. What father would say that his kids don't deserve his love. <laughs> right. Yeah, can you imagine? Exactly. It's, and actually, that's one of my pet peeves. And I've written a couple of blog posts on this because I started noticing several years ago with the help of my friend, Dan Naughty. And then he introduced me to John Lynch, who is John Lynch is awesome. If you haven't read any of his stuff, he's great. No, I have, yeah. uh, he has a book called The Cure. It's a little book. And I think the subtitle of the book is, what if God isn't who you think he is and neither are you? Mm-hmm. And it essentially is just demolishes this idea of we don't deserve God's love and oh, what a worm I am, what a wretch I am. And because the reality is simply this go and read the New Testament. And anytime Jesus or Paul or any of the New Testament scriptures go on and on about the love of Christ or the love of God, right? It's higher and wider and longer and deeper than you can possibly imagine. It mm-hmm. transcends knowledge. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God not height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor the future, nor the past. None of these things, right? The whole love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs. Anytime, anytime they go on and on in the New Testament about the love of God and the love of Christ, do you know what it never, ever mentions? That you don't deserve it. No. Never, ever (laughs) brings up, but you don't deserve it, you filthy wretch. We add that in. And there's even like a worship song But I love the song except for this one verse. There's a little bridge in the worship song that says, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. And if they would just tweak that line a little bit, Mm. I don't need to earn it. I don't have to deserve it. Now, both are still true, but the emphasis is on my not having to earn it. And I don't need to deserve it. Why? Because I've already got it. It's already mine. Yeah. And like you said, I love my, I have two boys, you know, I would never, ever look at them and say, I love you so much. You don't deserve it, but I love you. So like, why would I add that in? (laughs) Right. I would say, (laughs) I would say to my children, you don't have to deserve it. Sure. That's not, I mean, that's off the table. It's not in my mind. Of course you don't have to deserve it. Yeah. It doesn't enter our mind. As a copywriter, you might totally disagree with me, but we change a few words in the songs at our church from time to time. <laughs> yeah, one of them, you know, is Amazing Grace, Saved a Wretch Like Me. We change yes. that to Someone Like Me. And there are Thank a lot you. of others that uh, we do that with. Yeah, and that's a perfect example, right? That's the classic. That, that probably is the root for modern Christians of that wretch worm theology, right? The, yeah. It's everyone's favorite song. But here's what we miss about that line in that song, okay? So the guy who wrote that song, when he wrote it, he's a slave trader. He's buying and selling human beings like cattle. Mm -hmm. He's standing on the boat. He's hearing these human beings that he is buying and selling as slaves singing in the bow of the ship. The Holy Spirit is breaking his heart for what he is doing, this horrible thing he's doing. He's repenting of it. Mm -hmm. And in that Mm -hmm. moment, Mm -hmm. he says, what a wretch I am. 
But the minute he repents, it's he's not a wretch anymore, right? No. And none of us, have, I hope, have bought and sold people as property. <laughs> We're not slave traders. I've yeah. not done something like that. Yeah. And if I have, I've repented and I've received this new identity in Christ. So it's like, but the problem is we dwell on this so much. You know, again, I'm sure when we do that, when we do that with God, when we talk to God that way, I'm not worthy and I'm, oh God, I'm not, I can't even, you know, God is looking at us and going, what are you talking, what sin are you talking about? I for, I cast that as far as the East from the West. I, I remember it no more, right? We're the ones who hold on to it and remember it. He yeah, I, I don't have words to describe how I could read those verses, like you just mentioned in Psalm 103, the East to the West, and God choosing not to remember our sins and not holding them against us, and God the Father being in Christ Jesus. I, how I could read those and not see what they were saying for so long. But I guess by the grace of God, finally I got through my dense head. And <laughs> yeah. it, takes, it takes a while, I think. We're all that way. You know? Yeah. You mentioned your friend John Lynch. I love Mercy Me, and sometimes when I see them, he's with them. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, he travels with them sometimes, and he he does a two-part thing. He probably does other things, but uh, where he comes out and starts to begin, and he, he does a, a thing very much related to The Cure, and then he comes back after some of their songs towards the end. And boy, their songs anymore are just totally grace-filled, unconditional love, and God's love and mercy for everybody. And they're a good combination with John and that group, at least have been for me. Oh, yeah, that's great. And you know, it's funny because I know John, but I didn't realize he was doing that. <laughs> really? <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that. I think that's awesome. I mean, he's someone, I think a lot of the guys are like this. I mean, I don't, I don't want to paint a picture that it's rare, but he's just somebody that, He's so gracious. I mean, I've yeah. he called me on the phone. We've sent me messages. I mean, he's really been really accessible to me just as a friend. And I've been really blessed by that. So he's the, he's the real deal. I just want to, I would say like, you know, he's not just a guy who writes books about this stuff. He's to the core, someone who really loves Jesus, really loves people, just a really genuine, awesome guy. Well, I assume that he was. And, you know, I'm so grateful for the Internet, as I'm sure you are, too, to be able to hear from you and from him and from other people. And that's a wonderful thing in itself. But I've also found, as I've started contacting different people whose books I've read, who I've watched their videos and, and all of these things for some 10 years now, they're almost all, I could say all, I've never had anybody who... It's not accessible. It may be, hey, I'm really busy right now, and, and I can't get back to you right now. But eventually they do. Paul Young was that way, and he got back to me. I'd met him a few times, but he got back to me after a while and said, hey, man, I'm sorry. This, Yeah, let's do it now. Do you know uh, Malcolm Smith? I know the name, but I don't know him. I've not been in contact with him, but I know him. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, no, I he's in Texas, and he, he's close to San Antonio, and I had never met him read his book and watched his webinar things. And I just called him. He was great to visit with and talk to him. I said, hey, if I came to San Antonio sometime and just would you spend some time with me in a day? And he said, of course, when do you want to come? And I, oh man, it's just, I'm finding that. And I think that's part and parcel of what happens when you understand God's love for everybody. You yeah. <laughs> tend to love everybody too, and you want to share that love. Well, tell us what you're doing now. What are you doing in El Paso? Tell us about your new book that's coming out and what's happening in your life now. <laughs> well, I am a busy man. So since January of this year, um, I have just decided to go full-time as an author and as a writer, which was a big, scary step for me. It took a while for God to convince me that this is something I needed to do. But yeah, he has. And, and so for the first few months of doing that, 
probably like it was probably around to like maybe March or April of this year after having made that decision. I just remember talking to God about it and saying, you know, God, I feel like I'm walking on water here. Like financially, we're making it. Like I didn't think it was possible, but we're doing it. And it's kind of like if you were walking on water, it's probably wise not to pause and stop and look around and try to figure out how you're walking on water. (laughs) Keep going. So that's what I did. I was like, you know, God, I'm not going to try and stop and figure it out. I'm just going to keep going this direction. And as long as you keep blessing it, I'm just going to keep going this way. And so I have, and God has blessed it. So our moving to El Paso was part of that. It just made sense financially, less expensive to live in El Paso than it was in, uh, we were living in Idaho for a while, Boise, Idaho for a while, about a year. So we just made the move a few weeks ago here. My parents are here and my dad's health isn't so great. So it's also kind of an opportunity to help my mom with him. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. And then since I've been going full time, I'm going to be publishing. So I published already one book this year, Jesus Unveiled, which came out, I think, in June. And then my next book is coming out in just a couple of weeks, November 9th, Jesus Undefeated. I'm doing a lot of online courses based on my books. I started a course called Square One, which is a 90-day course. It's focused specifically on helping Christians go from deconstruction of their faith to reconstruction. As a result of my blogs and books and my podcast, Hurts at Cappy Hour, I'm hearing all the time from people who are going through deconstruction, but for some of them, it's very traumatic and very painful. And while my books and blogs and podcasts help with the deconstruction part of it, like sort of questioning things and that kind of a thing, what I was noticing was I could find almost nothing. Well, really, I could find nothing <laughs> that really helped anybody with the reconstruction piece of it. In other words, like, okay, I've, I've questioned things, I've doubted things, but when does that stop? And when do I begin to rebuild my faith? And what is it based on? And how do I do that? So I prayed about it. I really felt very strongly God was highlighting this for me, that this was the next big thing I needed to do. And so I took a couple of months, prayed about it, talked to some other people about it, got a lot of green lights, like, yep, this sounds like the right thing to do. And so, yeah, we launched it. It's been going now for about a month. It'll go until January. It's called Square One. And I'm going to turn that into a book as well. So Square One, the book, Square One, I'm hoping to have ready February, March of next year. And then I'm going to publish a follow-up book to my first book, Jesus Untangled, which was about crucifying our politics, to pledge allegiance to the Lamb. I'm going to write a follow-up book to that. It'll be out in July. July 4th is the target date. That'll be called Jesus Un-American. That'll make me a lot of friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then my plan is that the final book in the Jesus Un-series that I'm doing will come out a year from now in next November next year. And that will be Jesus Unexpected. That's going to deal with the sort of the end times dispensationalism and that kind of thing. Although my publisher just yesterday is trying to talk me into writing another book in the Jesus Un series that would deal with penal substitutionary atonement theory and the, and the cross and all that. And he might be convincing me. So maybe there's another one, at least in that series coming. So we'll see. Wow. Well, that's all exciting. That, Gosh, tell me just a little bit more about the square one, that the 90-day course. Now, you've started that in January. Will you do that again? And is that where you spend some time one-on-one with people in the course? Yeah, exactly. Sort of the pilot thing is running now. I've got like 15 people in the course. The way the format is every Monday, I record a weekly, it's like a weekly video session for that week on a particular topic. And then I give them some homework to do, some things to think about and write down and consider. And then at the end of that week, usually so far we've been doing it on Sunday afternoons, we'll have an hour long Zoom session, a video conference call with everybody. And we'll just debrief. How did you do? And what did you think? And where are you at? So it's walking them through step by step, this deconstruction, 
reconstruction process. And I've told them, you know, because they're part of this first round and then I am in the process of going to write a book based on this topic with their permission, of course, I'd like to use a lot of their testimonies along the way as well in the book, because I think it'll help for people reading the book to see how other people process some of these things and react to some of these things. Hopefully the goal would be that they would find themselves in some of these other people's experiences and go, yep, that's just like me, or yeah, I was that way too. So that's my hope and my goal, just to provide people with some help, because I I think there's just nothing out there, as as I could see, there was really not much out there that would help people. And then, yeah, once the course finishes up in January, the beautiful thing about online courses like this is the videos are, they're already there, they're already recorded. People can sign up again and we'll run it again. Great. Is 15 a good size group for that? Did you limit it to that or intentionally? Yeah. Well, my goal originally was 12. I thought 12 made sense. But I honestly had so many people going, man, Keith, this is exactly what I need. I decided to expand it to 15. And now I do charge for the course, but I also thought very strongly I didn't want money to keep anybody from coming in. So we had some sponsored seats. A few people donated some money to say, look, I can't take this or this isn't right for me right now, but I'd like to help other people do it. So yeah, I was able to offer about, I think, five of the seats are free. So five of the people are just taking it by the grace of God, which is great. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want it to ever be about just about the money. So yeah, that's been great. And then even after the very first session, we had that very first week, they watched the first video I did. And we had that first conference call. People were like, man, Keith, this is already worth it. (laughs) It's already helped me. And every week, I, people keep giving me these kinds of feedback about how much it's helping them. And I don't want to toot my own horn. It's not what they're saying is, oh, Keith, these video sessions are so much genius. What it really is, is that it's that interaction with the other 14 people, mm-hmm. honestly. You know, it's funny. The first two video sessions we did, my internet went down and I got booted out of my own group, but the group <laughs> kept going. Really? So by the time I logged back in, when I got back in, the first time it happened, they were still talking with each other. And I was like, oh, this is beautiful. Yeah. So I, I just sat back and let them talk. Wow. Because that's what I want. You sure. know what I mean? I want them. To, they, there's so much that they can do to help each other. Yeah. So many of them feel so isolated. The thing about deconstruction is it, you would end up losing friends and family Support and fellowship. group, everything. Uh, yeah. Usually when you start questioning these things. Um, that's why it's been great to, to create mm. this sort of community for them. Well, that's great. Well, I'm going to check that out for myself for your next one, but I hope other people will take advantage of that too. One thing before I ask you to tell people how they can get in contact with you at our church, we moved, uh, our church was uh, some years ago was about 250. And when I started seeing all the things we're seeing now, I I preached that down to 50 over a course of uh, (laughs) three or four years. And uh, and then when I I really started seeing God's unconditional love and grace was for everybody, I preached it down to about 25. But the 25 that we have now are wonderful people. The others were wonderful too, but wonderful people. And I've changed our format on Sunday morning. I cut way back in the amount of time that I teach, and I intentionally set it up so about every five minutes I'll ask a question, and we'll just discuss it. And if that takes the whole rest of the time, I don't do anymore. And what a difference yep. that makes. I get way more out of that, yeah. I, I think, than than anybody else. And then I end up, I record my talks afterwards and put them online. And I end up changing them a lot and adding things and using different examples and stuff. And gosh, the interaction and giving other people the opportunity to think and discuss and contribute is way better way to go for me anyway. Yes, it is. 
No, you're right. I mean, honestly, that was one of the things I learned through our house church experience. My, my friend Neil Cole, if you know her, you know who Neil Cole is. He wrote a book called Organic Church. He's written several other books, excellent books. But that's one of the things he says that I found to be extremely true is that I shouldn't be the Bible answer man. I should be the Bible question man. Mm. I should be the one asking questions and then just shutting my mouth yeah. and letting people wrestle with stuff. Because that's what Jesus did. I mean, that's honestly, it's one of the things I love about Jesus. He was very comfortable, not only with questions, yeah. but with unanswered questions. He would ask a question yeah. and not wait for them to figure it out. Just walk away and let them wrestle. And because he knows Right, the Holy Spirit is gonna is gonna work on that, and you're gonna keep thinking about it and turning it over and searching, and that's the really where growth comes from and, and maturity. And I got to the point where in our house church, I would just leave the room, and I would not come back in the room until I heard them talking to one another and sharing with one another, and then I would just come and sit at the back of the room, and then I would only say something if I had to. Really? Uh, which usually, yeah, yeah, it was great. Oh my gosh, it was the best. I haven't tried that yet. But I'll, th- I'll think about it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a free tip. Maybe you, maybe you can preach that down to 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll start out by saying, my friend Keith Giles told me this, and then after a while I'll say, well, wise men have said, and then after a few months I'll go, well, I've always thought, you know, I'll just leave the room. <laughs> <Exactly>. and <laughs> It becomes my quote yeah. now, exactly. Oh, Keith, this is going by way too quickly, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Me too. Take a few minutes in closing, if you wouldn't tell people how they can connect with you, where they can, all of those different things. Sure. Yeah. My blog on Pathios is just my name, KeithGiles.com, K-E-I-T-H-G-I-L-E-S.com. And I blog usually three times a week there. I'm on Facebook, just my name. Maybe it's Keith A. Giles on Facebook, but you'll find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm also, as we were saying, very responsive usually to people if they want to talk or interact. And my books are on Amazon. Kindle, ebook, audiobooks, that kind of thing. And I'd love to connect with anybody who's interested in these kinds of topics. So great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for being faithful to all of these different things that God has given you the vision for and uh, continued to do. And I'm looking forward to the new book I'll get in uh, a couple of weeks and to the Square One class, hopefully, and seeing where things go from there. Thanks, Keith, for being with us. And thanks so much, everybody, for joining us today for Grace to All with Paul Gray and Keith Giles. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.